Talking Landscape Photography with Kristen Fletcher and Carwin. It is episode two of uh, Light Minded with uh, myself, Carwin, Christian Fletcher, and we're joined by Nick Rains from the uh, Leica Academy. Hey, go, fellas. Hey, Good morning. Hey, hey, Nick. Good to talk Hi. to you, mate. Yeah, yeah, you too. Long time no chat. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick and I go a long. We go back a long way. Actually, we've we've done uh, workshops together for for years and. Um, all over the place, all over the world, including Cambodia and Namibia. Well, the last time I saw you, actually, it was in Cuba, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Cuba. So, wow. Name-dropping there, no, shamelessly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when were you guys in Cuba? Uh, it was it was a year ago last October, I think. So it's, uh, yeah, because yeah, I went back again last October, and then you with me the previous year. Yeah, so it's two right, years ago. Yeah. Two? Uh, well, a year and a half, yeah. Year yeah. and a half, yeah, yeah. So, um, amazing place. We had a had a great mm. tour, good group, and yeah, it was one of those places that I think everyone has to go to at some stage if you're a photographer. Yeah. Run. It's an easy place to photograph in some respects, well, isn't it? Because yeah. everyone's pretty friendly. They're pretty cool with cameras. You know, there's some countries just aren't. They're just not that interested or a bit hostile to, to not to, to individually, but to to cameras. But mm. in Cuba, it was it was great. You know, really, yeah. really very flexible so, place, very friendly. So, so Nick, how did you uh, <laughs> tell us your, your your backstory, your history? Where, how did you? Get into photography. And uh, how long is this podcast? Like fourteen hours or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just go for it. Maybe we'll just we'll walk away, have lunch, come back. In the you... beginning, <laughs> uh, no, the, the potted history really is. Um, I've been doing this for about thirty-five, thirty-six years. Um, from I was working in the UK and sort of fell into it through various sort of bits of luck when I ended up in Australia in the in the mid eighties when the America's Cup was on in Perth. Wow. And I. I Met some people and sort of blagged my way into the media center as you know oh i'm a professional photographer and blah 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 and wow. ended up getting a job for canon running their loan service and uh, picking up some good connections with uh, stock libraries and magazines and did a lot of yachting photography for a couple of years mm. um then went back to the uk and did a lot of sport uh and news work and then came back here in the 90s and uh, just sort of picked up commercial work and ended up doing a lot of books and that sort of got me into landscape photography which is what I did for many years I had a gallery in Brisbane about 15 years ago for about uh, about five years and then I moved more into documentary work um, doing you know, travel and then uh, started picking up uh, sort of work doing training and then I met Fletch and we started taking groups to places and teaching them what we knew and then I got picked up by Leica as, uh, to run their, their Leica Academy in Australia based on that. So it's been a fairly um, varied and uh, in sort of somewhat all over the place career, but uh, it, it, it ended up in a reasonable place, which is where I am now. But yeah, Nick's known as one of, one of the, uh, the best educators in the country. There's, the knowledge that he has is, is second to none. And, oh, stop and it. Yeah, we did. Have, we, when we were doing workshops together, I was I was getting as much out of it as the participants because I would sit there and listen to Nick talk about the the technicalities, the the interesting stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it um, it really helped me a lot. How do you train someone to take photos? Like, is there how do you get into that mindset of getting what's in your head into their heads? How do you do it? It's tricky. It's tricky. Um, one other thing, I remember a conversation that we had when we started was how are we going to deal with the way the the differences between people who know nothing and know a lot because i remember that very first workshop we did at bunker bay we had i think we had a guy who was a truck driver that was ricardo de cuna and who's gone on wow. to be quite a successful 
um, and well-known photographer. But he mm. came to that. Didn't he sleep in the car park or something in his car? <laughs> he, wanted yeah. to, he couldn't, you know, he, he couldn't really afford the course, but he was really keen. Wow. But he knew everything, didn't he? His knowledge yeah. was astonishing. Mm. And then we had people there who knew virtually nothing. And we remember we talked about how we were going to um, try and uh, moderate what we said aimed at different people. Then we thought, we realized we couldn't, we couldn't do that. So we just basically just talk at the level that we normally talk and people will take out of it what they can and people take out, out of it different things. Mm. Um, we, we realize that people who know stuff, it's, it's confirming what they already know. Mm. And for those who are in the middle ground, they learn stuff. Mm. And for those who got absolutely no idea, they go, holy crap, what happened? And uh, mm. that's awesome mm. and I need to learn more. Mm. So everybody always enjoyed it, didn't they, on some level? Yeah, I remember talking to uh, Leah Kennedy and of course Leah's mm. gone on to be a really mm. successful photographer in Perth. Mm. And she said that was a light bulb moment for the, the first Bunker Bay workshop she went along to. She yeah. had, she just didn't realize there was so much in it and I think that was her inspiration to, to really move forward and learn as much as she could and, and she had an eye, she just needed to refine her Definitely. technique and, and we could yeah. help her with that and, and now she's just going great guns. Do you remember that, that aerial shot that she did with the helicopter when she went and chartered her own helicopter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she got that, that aerial shot of all the buildings which was astonishing and then that won her all sorts of awards and it was, yeah. you know, that was probably her big breakthrough, I think, in terms of the, uh, the award stuff. It was, and it's still yeah. a fabulous image. I've, I was only there last year and uh, we flew right over exactly that spot. So I remember I was telling the, my other people in my group this, that story. Do you sometimes see people that you think, oh, that's, you know, that's potentially a superstar there if they just clean up their compositions a bit? Like, do you recognize talent? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think I so. Like, yeah. I, yeah I, I look, I've seen people come along and, and they just have a, an eye. There's a, some they have this creativity in them so yeah i've definitely seen people that i think really work well and others that struggle with and it comes down to composition for me i think knowing where to point the camera because we can teach how to how to edit their photos better we can teach them other things uh, in regard to printing and color management Uh, but composition is always the hardest one to teach and i think Mm. we touched on the last podcast so but yeah some people just have it I yeah, think. I agree completely. We've got a, a gentleman who came to Cuba with me last year who's in Sydney, and he's, um, he's a, I'd call him a relatively shy guy, but he, he just could not photograph people. He just, he'd mm. always be standing at the back when we found somebody in the streets. Mm. And then, so we, we spoke about it, and um, he, he suddenly was doing it, and now he's, that's all he does. He's wandering around Sydney. He just, he just wades into places and photographs them, but he's got a good eye. And I think that's the key. And I'm not sure how you teach that. I think it comes with practice and experience. It's interesting you touched on that, but how do you do that? How do you actually get the confidence to, to walk up to somebody in the street and just, you know, just, just grab an emotive shot? Mm, it's tricky. There's two sorts of street photography. There's ones where the person is clearly aware that you're taking their picture. That's usually the one with, di- with direct eye contact. Um, but then there's also the ones which are just sort of interesting juxtapositions of shapes and figures. And you've got like somebody in a red coat walking past a poster, which is exactly mm. the same color red and, mm-hmm. or a reflection of two things, which makes you look twice. Mm. So um, the, the, the approaching people one is is quite challenging because most people are not comfortable approaching a complete stranger mm. and sticking a camera in their face. Mm-hmm. Um, other people are very comfortable with it. I mean, I think Steve McCurry was always notorious or well-known for being completely, f- not fearless, but basically didn't care. he just walk up to people and shoot them anyway. Yep. Um, that's one end of the extreme. And then you've got other people who just simply can't do it. Mm. Um, and um, the rest of us are somewhere in the middle. I mean, I've been doing it a long time, but I still... 
I'm not 100% comfortable with that. And I have days where I just, I'm feeling a little bit shy or whatever. And then other days where I'm quite comfortable with it. So it's a, it's a tricky one. Nick, can you tell us about the Leica Academy? The Leica Academy is really an extension of what Christian and I used to do. Uh, it's it's uh, Leica has a, 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 what would you call it, a, a subdivision, if you like, um, in Germany and in various other countries where we offer training uh, for customers and anybody else who wants to come along. Uh, the idea is it's um, the same sorts of things that you might, we used to do basically, like, you know, teaching Lightroom and teaching printing. And then we also do the trips. So it scales from sort of one day workshops for, you know, 300 bucks or whatever up to, well, you know, Namibia, which is the best part of $18,000 because it's by private plane. So that's coming up later in the year. So um, we just took a group to Tasmania, which was five days. So it's, 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 I would call it high quality um, photographic training for anybody who wants to improve what they're doing. And um, we have regular stuff throughout the year, in, mostly Sydney and Melbourne. We don't do uh, Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide anymore. The demand was not high enough to warrant it so i tend to flip between sydney and melbourne um most of the time and, and, and run these things we also have a couple of other people who we work with there's mark strawn in melbourne who does he's a portrait specialist mm. uh, jesse marlowe is our street specialist and there's another gentleman in um in sydney bill green who's a very old friend of mine who's doing more portraiture and a bit of street as well so we've got a bit of a, a stable if you like of uh, people who are helping us out what are Leica shooters like? Are they they're more evolved? I guess would that be fair <laughs> to say? <laughs> they haven't got hairy knuckles. <laughs> no hairy knuckles. No, we're, no. We're, we're, uh, we're not talking about cannon shooters. Well, I think there's 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 two. There's well, there's there's actually three. Oh, okay, give me the I'll give you the official line. Or no, it's not the official. It's my official line. Is there's three sorts? There's three markets for for Leica as a brand. There's um, the collector. Nobody collects Nikon's and Canons or Sony's. Okay, they're 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 used. They're used. I do. They're functional. I got a Mark too. That's <laughs> there you go. There you go. But they're not collectibles. Okay, maybe a really really old stuff is. But people will buy the Lakers Leica and stick it in a cabinet and wrap it up in shrink wrap and, and never actually use the damn thing. Mm, because mm. just you know, in 50 years time, it'll be worth money. Mm. So there's the collectors, and of course there's a huge collectible range going right the way back to 1914 when they first started. Um, then you've got the the fashion market. Now nobody buys a Sony as a fashion accessory okay or no. nickel they're functional tools whereas you can buy a whole range of really bizarre colored cases for various likers and some of the asian markets are really into bright colors mm. and it becomes a fashion statement a, a, a brand like gucci or cartier or anything like that so there's that and then there's the photographers um so they're not only are they fashion items but they're also functional tools um i use them as a functional tool of course and i find that the uh, the sl particularly is a just a, a, a camera that gets out of the way really quickly and gets the job done, as well as being extremely high quality, which is, of course, what you're paying for in the first place. And that quality is definitely there. It's not just the, the brand is over, you know, is expensive. It's also it's high price because it's high quality. Mm. And that's why I moved into the brand in the first place, because I wanted the best camera that I could afford. Tell us about the SL. Um, the, the SL is a, is a, a mirrorless uh, full frame SLR, no, not SLR. Of course, it's not. It's a mirrorless full-frame camera built to very high standards. It's it's fairly heavy. It's extremely robust. It's waterproof or water-resistant, I should say. Um, very fast autofocus, uh, image stabilized in lens. So it's it's a pro, it's a professional-grade camera. Um, the electronic viewfinder is the key. Um, I'll I'll never use a, a an SLR-style camera ever again because a good and I, and I and I mean that has to be good, otherwise they're awful. Uh, a good electronic viewfinder. Is a, is a beautiful thing 
um, you know, you've got your menus in the viewfinder. You can see the shot after you've shot it in the viewfinder. You can shoot video without having to use the screen on the back of the camera. I don't use these. I don't need to use these damn reading glasses all the time to see the pictures and so on. So they're, they're, this is fabulous. Um, and so as a functional tool, uh, it, it floats my boat because uh, it gets the job done. My hit rate's very high. Yeah, I, I have to say that I've I've used that camera. I've borrowed yours once and had a bit of a play with it. But that that viewfinder is the most amazing viewfinder I've ever seen on a camera. It was just so sharp and so detailed. You can zoom in and you can focus on just on the eyelashes, can't you? Mm-hmm. It's just that, just that accurate. So mm-hmm. for me, it's that- a very important point because um, that 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 camera is three years old now. So um, you know we may see a replacement in you know the due course for that, which would be exciting. I don't know what's coming. I, I don't get told these things, but you know after three or four years, there's usually something. But even now, that electronic viewfinder is still considered the best one on the market. Um, and you, you're right, you can focus it without actually having to zoom in. It's it's, it's sharp enough to judge the focus. So it becomes, it, it, I know I said it before, but it's a very, very functional, get it done kind of camera. And that's, that's why I use it. Yeah. Going forward in the future, Nick, would you be interested in coming on and, and sharing some knowledge about any new Leicas that might be coming up? Yeah, when there's, when there's one that's out, I could well, I could only share information when it's actually officially released. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do have some I do have some clues as to what's going on in the background, but it's obviously yeah. stuff that I'm not allowed to talk about. But when I can, absolutely, I'll share it with you, no problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that sounds great. Well, we love to hear more about that and more about what you're doing. What have you got coming up? Um, coming up, well, I'm in the middle of shooting a, a book on uh, festivals which you know a little bit about because we're actually going up to shoot uh, one of my stories uh, you and I uh, in June but um, I'm doing a thing on community festivals around Australia community events so it's all about people and people in the country getting together and doing something like we did the Elvis festival at Parks which was awesome uh, went Elvis to the, the Danilican Cute Buster which was kind of feral but that was awesome too and Henley on Todd Regatta in Alice Springs and Gimpy Muster and rodeos and big country shows and so on so I've been very busy doing that. So that's I'm off to Adelaide on Friday to do the Barossa Vintage Festival in um, uh, Nuripa, I suppose it'll be, in around there. So that's a weekend away. Um, and then I think I'm yeah coming to SWA to do this uh, rodeo at Mulawa. And then I'm going up to Darwin to do this uh, big uh, Aboriginal festival at um, Barunga, which is near Catherine. So there'll be lots of um, traditional dance and lots of you know um, traditional outfits and so on. So that's going to be keeping quite busy for the next month. And you'll be shooting. And, and by the, sorry. By the way, sorry, um, Nick. It's it's Malawa, not Malawa. 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 It's Malawa. Hey. <laughs> Malawa. 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 All right. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Right it might even be something else. I think I did speak to people. Uh, a lady who lived there, grew up there, and I thought she said it, it might be pronounced a different way again. So we will have to get the, the script. Something. Anyway, we'll find out when we get there. Let's have a look at the photo of the week. Somebody's actually sent us an email from British Columbia in Canada. Now, I've just sent you through the uh, the picture, Christian. I've sent it to you, Nick. And, yeah, mm-hmm. we just wanted to um, have a look at it and uh, see what you think. And, of course, if you want to have a look at the, the photo yourself, just get onto our Instagram, which is Lightminded Podcast. So three words, Light minded podcast and if you'd like to submit a photo yourself that we can talk about send us an email to lightminded617 at gmail.com fantastic oh you go first yeah. christian you're the arty one. Oh, look i i looked at this and i thought wow this is this is a beautiful photograph I, I, you know when you see those photographs that you wish you had in your collection 
and and this to me looks like a painting. It looks like a a, a Monet, I guess. Is that uh, would that be right? Would you say that looks a bit like a Monet to you, Nick? Yeah, I think that's that's a fair comment. I think I'd probably do a little bit with the cropping. What do you think? I, that yeah, the at the bottom does. there's some reeds sticking up, and I find them a little distracting. I don't know. There could be a little bit of tightening going on, but the overall mood is very painterly, and yeah. um, maybe a bit of a juice with some contrast, possibly. Yeah, I think a little bit of contrast, a little bit of colour. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a little bit bottom heavy. It'd be nice to sort of bring that up a little bit. Uh, of course, we may have not seen the whole image. It might have been mm. cropped by uh, Instagram as it does. If it's a little bit tall, it will crop the top and the bottom off a little bit. But uh, I think uh, overall, it's a really pleasing image uh, with a bit of bit of editing and just a little bit of colour, a little bit of contrast. I think it would be uh, quite a beautiful. Uh, beautiful image that would be quite quite appealing. My only criticism, if I can make that, is just that it doesn't have a particular point that your eye can start with. You know, like for instance, if one of those lilies was actually in flower, you've got that little point. But as an overall mood and as an overall texture, I think it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It'd make a nice square, I think. I thought it was very painterly as well. Uh, Chris and I have spoken before about shooting from the soul before. The backstory on this shot is this is a, a, a non-pro um, in British Columbia in Canada who shoots on a, um, an, on a Nikon Coolpix. Um, so she was just um, you know hiking just with a Nikon Coolpix and just saw a nice scene and, and just shot it. And it hasn't has been processed at all. Like that's just that's straight from the camera. Yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, that's good. No, it's nice to see that really when somebody's not sort of so focused on post-processing, but they just grab something that appeals to them and the camera can do a reasonable job. But I think it's always nice to give it a little bit of a, a polish later because sometimes cameras do miss some of the, uh, the, 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 the colours and some of the, the mood that was there at the time and maybe it needs a little bit of help in that direction. But, yeah, good, good job. Yeah, it's a great starting point, I think, and um, and we, we talked about emotion and, and having images that have a more of a emotional content and more of a feel, and, and this one definitely has that. It's 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 kind of a, yeah, it's very moody. It has a a nice uh, yeah, feel about it, and I think that's important uh, as opposed to a, a tr you know really technically perfect shot. Sometimes mm -hmm. that mood can really transform an image and. Um, I'm something that my wife talks about all the time. Christian, you get that. You bought that phase one, and all you care about now is how many pebbles you can see in the foreground, and how much the grains of sand are just. You know, yeah, and what's your point? Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. So says, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. Can you know? You've got to. You've got to add that that emotion. That's that's what people want, and that's what. All right. Make so, what, what was Ansel Adams' um, quote then? You know. Yeah, okay. nothing worse than a sharp photo of a fuzzy concept. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uncle Ken always, Ken Duncan always says, um, you know, the best camera in the world is the one in your pocket. Yeah, that's true. That's okay, but you can't put a phase one in your pocket. I <laughs> uh, will. True. <laughs> you can put little, uh, little Sigma cameras in your pocket, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out with my Sigma. Actually, I was out this morning shooting, and I shot with the phase one first thing, and then I shot with the Sigma Quattro. Uh, just a little bit later. That's why I was late to the to the meeting, guys. Sorry about that. I was I was away with the fairies looking too for many pixels. Too much, yeah, too much to carry. Yeah. Just on the phase one, because we're going to have a chat to Lau from um, uh, from phase one, who's the, who's the the, the R and D uh, director, pretty shortly. But look, that is a big camera system. What are the logistics of you know going out walking the dog with your phase one? Like, how does that yeah, work? It doesn't doesn't really happen um, so much but I this morning what I'm doing now with the phase because it is it's a lot to carry around I get 
I get one the body, I get one lens, I put that on, and I then have my tripod and a couple of batteries in my pocket, and that's it. I don't even take a camera bag. So I just, I, I go out, I go, I'm only going to use the one lens, forget, I don't care if, I, if there's a scene, there's a, I need a 244, no, I'm just going to go with the one lens. And then it makes it enjoyable because it's a, it's a big heavy thing to carry around. And, and once you've got all that gear, it's just, you just, you're not as creative, you can't move as fast. So I'm using it like I would use my Quattro actually, which is similar because it's, the Quattro is so light and small. Um, and that just made me enjoy using it. Oh, Maybe you should rig up some panniers for Apple, and uh, you can carry the camera. She can carry the camera for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Apple's my dog, by the way. No yeah, one knows. So I should mention that. Yeah. Yeah, but she she can't come with me because most of the time I'm shooting in national parks. So. Uh, ah, yes, good point. She, and she would get in in the shots, and she. And I remember when I had Fuji, the other border collie, he would he would go down to the beach. I'd take him down, and he would just run into the sand and and just spoil my. My beautiful, clean, pure sand with dog prints, you know. It's like other photographers do in groups. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, we've experienced lots of that, haven't we, Nick, over the years. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, What's the protocol when somebody walks into your composition? What do you say? Uh, you well, can't really say that live on air. It's a family show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there is one lady named Barbara Brown who we know oh, really oh, well. Yes. She's, a, she's, a, actually, she's a great photographer. And mm. another another one who's come up through the ranks and 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 uh, Nick and I have taught her over the years as well as other photographers and she's really good but she doesn't mess around if someone gets in the way she lets them know and uh, we had a, a very funny moment in Cambodia when uh, a poor old man he he was probably yes. in the 80s um, was, he was uh, yeah he was Vince. in the, the Vince. Uh, Vince it was back yeah. her shot and she told no uncertain terms to, to get out of the way and it was like it was quite funny because he was because he walked so slowly or so doddery it took about 30 seconds for him to move out of her shot <laughs> it was just uh, it was cruel uh, life is cruel in, in the I photography yeah there's no prisoners but uh, Barbara she's great she's um, she's one of our favourites and uh Great photographer. We might have to talk to her one day. I think she's yeah. Let's get her on. Good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she's got a very distinctive style, so it's always. I always think it's interesting when people have a very clear idea of actually what they want to shoot. Uh, I say that in my to my groups is that you know when you've actually got a clear idea, that's a really big starting point because it it narrows your focus onto what you want rather than just shooting anything that you see. So having a direction is always a good thing. How long yeah. does that take? She's the only one. So I mean, she's the only one I know that's been to Chernobyl as well and survived. Yeah, true, wow. true, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've got yeah, to go well. on. How long does it take before you, um, you know, you start, um, you know, disconnecting from the from the technical sort of composition to what's actually in your head, like building that, that picture in your mind? Do some people get it straight away or is it... Mm, I think it's something that you learn or the, I think it's a, I think it's the threshold that you get past actually, the technical stuff, you know, the camera operation, all that stuff should be got out of the way mm. and then you can actually get on with the creative stuff. It should be almost second nature. What, what do you think, Fletch? Yeah, I agree totally. I think you see, and it's something I noticed that when you, when you see professional photographers that have been doing it for a while and then you see the enthusiasts, the professionals can get in and get their shots and move really quick they're always moving around, they're looking at different angles, whereas the amateurs, are, 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 are a, lot, a lot of time they're thinking about how to, how to use their camera and it's not natural, uh, it just doesn't come to them immediately. Mm. So I think that one of the great things that we talk about is, is, is learning your camera and, and making sure you know exactly where the buttons are so you, you don't mm. even need to look at it to change yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like yeah you should, you've got to get past that. It's, 
I said it once in a, in a lecture which somebody picked me up on and he said uh, that thing you said was really stuck with me I said what did I say and he said camera operation is not photography and he goes that really that really resonated he said right. I, so I, I picked on that and it's true and mm. I say you can learn that at home you photograph your foot when you're sitting in the chair or the cat or the dog or whatever don't mm. you don't have to take a good photograph you just got to learn how to operate the camera then when you're out you're not getting distracted by um, the operation you can get on with the creative stuff Nick do you want to do you want to come on the podcast again yeah absolutely yeah any excuse to get to get on the air you know it's always good we, look, we've got some um, some pretty uh, exciting stuff coming up we're going to be chatting with uh, Lau from phase one also we're going to just touch briefly on smartphones in photography as well well I just on the, just on the smartphone thing I think Nick had a Huawei phone before I did I did. I had a P20. No, hang on. P9? That was the yeah. one, wasn't it? I had one of those, which I was very impressed with. Um, yeah. But I've, I've kind of gone back to the old iPhone just because it's easier. <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> shame. I've got 10 now. I know. Yeah. But what, you've got a P20? I've got the P20 Pro and the yeah, P30 yeah. Pro's out now, and I, yeah, I want to get yeah. all of that. I've um, heard good things. Yeah, well, I have to show you, next time you're in Dunsborough, I'll have to show you the print that I made from the mm -hmm. P20 Pro, now 40 by 30, hanging in the gallery next to my Phase 1 shots. And um, I, look, you can tell a difference. Well, all, made, all cameras all, are capable of good results as long as they're working within their sort of capabilities. It's only when you start pushing the envelope that the, the higher-end cameras start to earn their keep, I think. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And um, anyway, I, want to, I want to get a hold of uh, quite a few other people that I've met along the way that... Other photographers, a few of the UK ones, a few from America, and um, yeah, we'll just uh, get a bit of a bit of a thing going. And it'd be nice to have you back, Nick, and uh, as a uh, you know, have your Leica Academy segment. You know, here we go, Nick talking Leica. Right. Uh, look, if you want us to uh, chat about one of your shots for photo of the week, just send it through to lightminded617 at gmail.com and uh, make sure you check out our Instagram too, which is uh, light my lightminded. Three words podcast, and I always say like-minded. What is wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, yes, light, yeah, light-minded. Talking landscape photography with Kristen Fletcher and Carwin.